Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second scripture reading is from the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, assorted verses. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. They were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damon. Saul and the Israelites gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and formed ranks against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. David said to Saul, let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, And I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand." When the Philistine drew nearer to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The circus magnate P.T. Barnum is credited with saying, There's no such thing as bad publicity. Do you believe that? There's no such thing as bad publicity? This wisdom has been cited by celebrities and politicians, all claiming it to be true. And maybe it is true for them. Maybe it was true for P.T. Barnum. But at the 2004 Super Bowl halftime show, this was not true for Janet Jackson. Some of you saw that game. 
Some of you don't even remember who played in that game because you were so focused on what happened at the halftime show. Now, that halftime show was an incredible musical lineup. Uh, we had acts like P. Diddy and Nelly and Kid Rock, and then, then we had the headliner, Janet Jackson. And it was an incredible, incredible halftime show. But at the very end of the show, a surprise musical guest came onto the stage, 21-year-old Justin Timberlake. And his performance really was a surprise. At the very end of his set, he executed one last dance move. And let's just say what happened next wasn't really in anyone's plans. It was delicately referred to as a wardrobe malfunction. 90 million people saw the wardrobe malfunction live on air, and countless others saw it on replay. CBS, the broadcaster for the Super Bowl, was hit with a $550 million fine from the FCC for indecency. And Janet Jackson, who was already a household name, became one of the most searched names in internet history. It wasn't her dance move that caused the problem, it was Justin Timberlake's, but that didn't matter, because in a split second, Janet Jackson got a lot of bad publicity. And she learned that P.T. Barnum was wrong. There is such a thing as bad publicity. Because of her wardrobe malfunction, she was disinvited to the Grammys one week later. Sales of her upcoming album tanked. She was forced to pull out of a TV miniseries role, and her career fell apart. Because some publicity is bad publicity. And Janet Jackson knew it. We know it. And I think Jesus knows this, too, because in our New Testament reading today, we carry on with the story of Jesus' early ministry. For the last few weeks, we've been following him along as he begins his ministry. First, Jesus walked into a synagogue, read from the scroll of Isaiah, and told the people around him, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I am the person you've been waiting for, the Messiah. And this, this revelation is a big shock to the people in Jesus' hometown. So last week, Joe preached on, on the passage where Jesus walks out of the synagogue and the people in his hometown try to throw him off a cliff. Things aren't starting out well. This week, Jesus begins to heal people, working miracles, and we think finally his bad publicity is going to turn around. Finally, things will turn up for him. But they don't exactly. Yes, Jesus heals the sick and he drives out demons. But you know who recognizes Jesus as the Son of God? It's not the people he's helping. It's not them. It's not the good people that, that are being, whose lives are being changed by his actions, his healings, his miracles. Instead, the people who recognize Jesus as the Son of God are the demons. The demons. They're the ones who piped up in our story. Look. Here's the Son of God. Jesus has been rejected by the very people who should have been supporting him, his hometown, his friends, his family. And now his only endorsement is from demons. This is a, a terrible start to the ministry. It's terrible. There is such a thing as bad publicity. And having demons endorse your ministry doesn't look so good. Now what's worse 
What's worse is not only are the demons uh, attesting to who Jesus is, Jesus can speak to them. He speaks to them. And this begs the question, how can he talk to demons unless he is one? Now, you might not have ever thought that because you have a whole Bible to read. I can tell you the people of Jesus' day thought that. We read that the report of all he did was spreading throughout the countryside, and I bet it did spread. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, this is the same period of time, we read that uh, something is spreading, a rumor is spreading. What kind of rumor? A rumor that Jesus drives out demons because he's possessed by demons. And we can kind of understand their point. See, if you're familiar with the Harry Potter books, you'll understand this. If you're not, I'm going to give you a bit of a spoiler. The bad guy in Harry Potter has this special gift that he can talk to snakes. He can talk to snakes, right? It turns out Harry Potter can also talk to snakes. And when Harry's classmates find this out, they immediately make the connection that Harry must be the bad guy. He must be a bad guy because he shares those characteristics. And this is what people think of Jesus. And you might think this too. If you saw someone on the street who said, hey, I'm a, I'm a good guy. Also, I can talk to demons. You would run away, right? Because anyone that can talk to demons, maybe not a good guy. Now to this accusation that Jesus is in cahoots with the demons, Jesus defends himself, saying this, this very famous phrase, a house divided against itself cannot stand. In other words, if I am the one driving out the demons and I am a demon, then I'm working against my own interests and that doesn't make sense. But the fact that he has to defend himself tells us that the people are suspicious. This is a real debate. I think Luke knows that. When the demons start telling people that this guy is the son of God, Jesus rebukes the demons and silences them. They're saying the right words. They're saying the right words. But here's the thing. You have to be careful who you let tell your story. And Jesus isn't about to let a bunch of demons tell his story. He's not going to let demons identify him, name him, claim any part of his narrative. And we would do well to learn from Jesus' example. Now, most likely, none of us will need to deal with demons calling us the Son of God. At least, hopefully not. But we have our own demons. Every person has their own demons. These voices, sometimes they're outside of us, sometimes they're within us, that we contend with. Voices that try to control our narrative. Sometimes those voices say things like, you're too old for this. You're too young to be considered. You don't have what it takes. You're wasting your time. You're wasting everyone else's time. You're wasting your talent and your money. You're convinced, you become convinced that things will never change. Maybe you become convinced that everyone is out to get you or that no one really cares. These demons might say, you're too much like your father. You're not enough like your father. Why can't you be more like your sister? You can't get your life together. You never take risks. You always mess it up. You don't try hard enough. You try too hard. You don't fit in. You're too broken. You're too sinful. You're not wanted. You're not loved. These demons try to claim our narrative and control our stories. 
They try to tell us who we are. And all too often, we let their words speak more loudly than God's promises. In our Old Testament scripture, we read excerpts from a well-known story of David and Goliath. David's speech to Goliath may be my favorite text in the Bible, except for the parts about Jesus. I think this is my favorite text in the Bible. This story is the place where King David's life intersects with the movie Braveheart. Some of you have seen Braveheart. Every time I read this passage and I read these words, I am ready to paint my face blue and run down the Valley of Elah yelling freedom or whatever the battle cry was. I'm ready to follow David right into that battle. That's how good I think his speech is. But it's not just the words that he's saying, it's what he's doing for the nation of Israel at this moment. Because for over a month, Goliath has been stepping forward and taunting Israel's army. He's been telling them who they are. He's named them cowards. You can't send one person out to fight me. He's told them they're too weak, too ill-equipped, too afraid to ever win against the mighty Philistine army. And they've listened to him. King Saul and his soldiers have listened. They are backed by God's power, and yet they are being pushed around by a mortal in a fancy helmet. Then David shows up. He hears Goliath's spill, and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. Who does this guy think he is? He doesn't tell us who we are. God tells us who we are. And God says we are his, we are God's own. A chosen people, a holy nation, children of the king of creation. See, Goliath doesn't get to tell our story. And that's when David turns to Goliath and gives the speech. You come at me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. That's an awesome memory verse. It's an awesome speech. Because by speaking, by speaking his faith, by sharing the way David knows God is at work, in that moment, David silences the demon. And he gives witness to God. And we are invited to do the same. In the 2004 Super Bowl, the New England Patriots played the Carolina Panthers. Now you know. You're welcome. The matchup was intense. Sports analysts to this very day consider it one of the most thrilling Super Bowl games in history. The teams totaled almost 650 passing yards and a record 37 points scored in the fourth quarter. That record stands today. The Panthers and the Patriots were tied 29 to 29 in the end of the fourth quarter when the Patriots kicker, Adam Vinatieri, remember him? He was the best fantasy football player I ever drafted. Adam Vinatieri makes a 41-yard field goal with four seconds left in the game. And the Patriots won. It was a game for the history books. It should have been the game that everyone was talking about. But that story 
got lost in the noise of a wardrobe malfunction. So we have to tell our stories. We have to tell our own stories. We have to reclaim our narratives because if we don't, the world will claim it for us. The world will tell us who we are. If we fail to witness to God's work in our lives, if we don't speak up as people of faith, our story will be hijacked. There are loud voices, harmful, hateful voices in our public spaces that will tell our story for us. They will tell us who we are. They will tell us what we can and can't do. They will make us forget that we are people made in the image of God. If we don't speak up, the Westboro Church will tell the world who our God is and what it means to be a Christian. We dare not let demons tell our story. We are called to speak up, personally and communally. We are called to bear witness, to acknowledge how God is at work in our lives, to acknowledge how God is moving in our community, and to share that good news far and wide with boldness and joy, learning from the example of Jesus, learning from the example of David. May we go and do likewise. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.